0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. This next month, we are going to be entering into um, a series uh, that's called like a solo series. Um, We're going to have four different speakers in the next four weeks, and each are going to talk on something that God is doing or God is moving or showing to them Um, into their lives and so I'll be speaking this week and then next week uh, I have a dear friend of mine his name is Jake McClanahan and he uh, works with his house Christian Fellowship he took my job there as the campus minister uh, serving the students at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and he is going to come and he's going to speak on patience Um, and I think that um, we all experience seasons of waiting we all experience seasons where God has called us to wait on him and to be patient and uh, he God has worked in him in ways that um, he's got an amazing perspective and an encouraging perspective on patience and on waiting and what that looks like and what God is doing with us and through us um, in that time of waiting so I'm excited for him to come and for you guys to be blessed on that Um, I'm going to be in Michigan at my sister-in-law's wedding so I'll be out of town and then the week after that um, I'm also going to be out of town again uh, but with the students with the youth group uh, we'll be doing our adventure trip, and uh, that week, Riley is going to speak, and he's going to teach us, and I think you heard a little bit of it even this morning, but kind of the, the heritage and the legacy of faith and faithfulness and how um, God uses faithfulness to to create a legacy to bless the next generation and how God has called us to be a voice and to proclaim and be a testimony for the the next generation. And then finally, uh, Shannon's going to be here at the end of the month, and i 'll be teaching at Park Street, and I have no idea what Shannon 's going to hit you with, but he 'll be here, and uh, he 'll be teaching the last week of August, and so that will be kind of what the next four weeks look like and so i 'm excited about it. I hope that you guys are excited about it i 'm excited to hear um, how god 's going to, to speak to us and move in us and transform us uh, through kind of the season where we open ourselves up completely as the speakers and say, "God, what are you doing in my life? How are you teaching me and how?" you want to teach others and so uh we start this series kind of talking a little bit about where i'm at i guess or where i've been and uh where i've been lately it's kind of been um a place of dryness kind of a place of discontentment uh, a place where i feel the limitations of myself and i'm frustrated with that Um, a place where i'm kind of like yearning to grow insignificance a place where (laughs) I'm kind of like looking to to maybe build or create my own kingdom and and the way that I do this is by collecting stuff Um, I am kind of greedy in the opposite sense of like I don't love money but I love the things that money can buy and so there's times where like I'm just completely unsatisfied with life and so the way that I go to find satisfaction with life is like Amazon and I build my wish list and I see what the deal of the day is because who doesn't love a good deal? And, uh, and I think that I can justify my kind of consumerism if I just, like, get the deal of the day because then I can brag, hey, I got that on sale. I got that on sale, and that was a good thing. And really it's just feeding kind of my soul and this discontentment. And then I get this box from Amazon, and I open it up, and it's great for, like, two seconds, and then I'm, like, back on Amazon that night being, like, what else can I get in the next two days? And so this is just kind of where I've been. And I think that what happens is that what's happening inside of me is, is even though, and I think it happens inside of us, is that when we want to collect stuff, when we want to create our own kingdoms, when we want to be in control, whenever we feel kind of the, uh, the finiteness of life. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about death lately, um, which is weird being 27-year-old. Like, but I think what I look at is, like, I love life. And I have a really hard time grasping the fact that, like, this life, as we know, is going to be over someday. And now I know, in Christ, I have the hope of that life is going to continue, that we are immortal. But there's still something, this, this kind of mystery and this kind of this darkness around death that, like, makes me feel like, as a human, I have limits. And that I am not going to be able to come through the other side of death on my own strength. And i my own power. And I don't know about you, but that's incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly difficult to kind of deal with because I want to be in control. I want to build it. And what I find is that in all of this, what there is actually deeper, kind of at its deepest level, is this desire to be known and to be understood and to be loved and cared for. I think that's kind of at the root of what I've been going through lately. It's just like, there's this weird yearning that is just like, I just want to be known. I just want to be understood. I just want to be loved and cared for. And I have relationships, deep relationships with people that love me, know me, care for me, understand me. What I need is I need that relationship with God. I need that deeper relationship with God where I can say, God, search me and know me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I believe that over kind of this past season of my life, what God has been calling me to is a deeper practice of Sabbath. And in this practice of Sabbath, what we end up at is actually a deeper relationship with our God. And Sabbath is a topic that I love to talk about. I love to talk about Sabbath. I love to talk about rest. I love to talk about taking a break. I love about talking about finding our identity in God and not in the stuff that we do. I mean, there's so much about Sabbath that we could talk about. And there's a lot of things about Sabbath that I have talked about and that I have thought about. But recently I've been challenged by God to go deeper into Sabbath and what Sabbath really means. And so what I think Sabbath is, is it's a vehicle to this deeper relationship, this deeper knowing and understanding from God. And the way we get there is through Sabbath. It's kind of like how you got to know your wife or how you got to know your spouse, is that you go on a date and then you go on another date. The date is the vehicle for the relationship. The date is not the relationship, but it's the thing that gets you there. It's a thing that allows the relationship to happen. And I believe that Sabbath is that thing for us in our lives that allows us to grow in deeper relationship and deeper knowing and deeper understanding and deeper love and connection with God that we all long for. But I think if we're all honest, we're all kind of scared to step into. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning of like why it's difficult for us to actually enter into true Sabbath. Because I don't think Sabbath is actually just turning off, stopping activity, and taking a nap. I think that Sabbath is much, much more with that, and it's actually about becoming present to the God who is already present with us. So I want you guys to turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 this morning, kind of starting off at the beginning. And so if we open to Genesis chapter 2, what we find is that we're about to begin the seventh day of creation. Everything in heaven and earth has been created up in this point. God has separated the heavens and the earth. He separated light from darkness and he's filled those things. He's filled the heavens. He's filled the earth. He's made you and I. And what normally happens is that when we read the creation story, we normally skip over the seventh day really quickly because partially it starts in a completely different chapter than all the other creation story. And I think it's because, honestly, if we were to ask which day of the creation story is most important, we would say probably the sixth day. And we would say probably the sixth day because that's what, when we were made. That's when we were made, that's when God gave us authority to rule and subdue the earth and to multiply and to pretty much be great. But the creation of the world doesn't end on the sixth day. And I just find it super interesting that like, we think that the sixth day is so important that when we assign chapters and verses to our Bible, for some reason we decided to slap chapter 2 right at the beginning of day 7 so that, day, so that chapter 1 ended on day 6. It's just kind of interesting how there's this focal point that ends chapter 1 with us. And then we start chapter 2, we get a little bit about day 7, and then it jumps into the second creation story that we have in the, New, in the Old Testament about how God makes man from the dust, and we're going to get into that a little bit as well. But I just want us to see kind of this pattern of how we put ourselves kind of at the front and how day seven oftentimes gets skipped because it's pretty much straightforward. Let's read it. It says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, all that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day, made it holy because God... Rested from all this work that he had done in creation. And so this day, kind of nothing happens. Nothing useful happens. Like, everything is done. It's like God looks around, like, everything is done. All right, I guess I'm going to take a rest. But the day that God calls holy is not the sixth day. It's the seventh day. The seventh day is the day that God declares as holy. And what I want us to see is that when we look at, into this he's he's making an incredible statement that the seventh day the day of rest the day of sabbath is incredibly significant and is not to be overlooked by his creation and if we were to look at this creation story especially in the eyes of the old testament israelite what we would see is that this creation story is covered with temple building language and commentators believe that what god is doing throughout the creation narrative is that he is creating his temple for himself that includes the entire cosmos and the entire world and when you get close to the end of the construction of a temple you place the image of that god into the temple and that's where you and i come in that's day six the image of god we fill the temple as god's image but the temple is not completed until the presence of that God comes and fills and dedicates the temple until his presence comes and rests upon it. And this is what we see in the seventh day of creation is that the Almighty comes and he puts his presence and rests it upon the earth and upon all of creation and he puts himself into intimate and deep relationship with all of creation. The Almighty comes near. And I believe that this is what Sabbath is about. It's not as much about us as it is about the Almighty and how the Almighty comes near to us and to rest with us in all of creation and to be in deep relationship with us, that we might know him, that we might be known, that we might be loved, that he might fulfill kind of the deep vacuum in our hearts of angst and of limitation But what's difficult is that I think that actually being able to enter into the Sabbath is incredibly, incredibly hard. I think that we have a lot of imagination around what Sabbath might be and what Sabbath might look like. But I think Sabbath is mostly about us becoming present to the Almighty and allowing Him to be present to us. And I think that that task in and of itself is incredibly difficult. And I think it's incredibly difficult because there's a barrier that's in the way And that barrier is us, and it's ultimately about us accepting what we are. It's about us accepting what we are. If we continue into chapter 2, what we find in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 7, is that he makes man. And it says this, it says, The Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. When we look at what we are, we are but mere dust. We are but mere dust. And when I talk about dust, I don't mean to belittle us. I don't mean to talk us down, to say, oh, I'm just dust. We are sacred dust. We are willed dust. God willed us, the Almighty willed us into being. And we are filled with the breath of the Almighty in us, and that's how we come to life. And so we are sacred dust. But at the end of the day, we're just dust. We're not the Almighty. And I think for a lot of us, that reality is incredibly difficult for us to accept. Because at the end of the day, dust, it's kind of weak, it's kind of fragile, it's kind of finite. And these are things that the human spirit over time has wanted to reject. And we over time have wanted to transcend our dust and to become like the Almighty. And so the Almighty comes and he breathes life into us, he creates us out of dust, and he says, it is very good. The only problem is that we don't think so. We don't think that it's very good that we're just this bag of dust walking across the earth. And we see this in Genesis chapter 3. If we move to Genesis chapter 3, what we find is Adam and Eve having a conversation about God. And what's interesting is that Adam and Eve had a relationship with God all the time. God's presence was with them. He was walking with them. He was present with them in the garden and Adam and Eve are confronted by the serpent. And they have a choice to make. They can either choose the presence of God, or they can choose to have a conversation about God. And Adam and Eve choose to have the first conversation about God instead of being with God. And this is how that conversation goes down. It says now the serpent was much more crafty than all the other beasts in the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so in this conversation, they substitute presence with God with this kind of conversation about God and about God's commands, And they begin to imagine what it might be like to be like the Almighty. To be able to transcend their dusty state and to be like Him. And this kind of pricks a deep desire in their hearts. Because like I said, to be dust is to be weak and it is to be finite to be able to transcend to this place of the Almighty would be something entirely different. They would be able to have power and have control and know good and evil. If we could be like the Almighty, just think of the things that we could do. Think of the things that we could accomplish. We'd no, be, we'd no longer be weak. We'd no longer be finite. We could build a kingdom and a world for ourselves. We could maybe even speak that into existence. Just think what we could accomplish Together, you see we reject our dust all the time because we don't like to be seen as weak. We don't like to be seen as finite. When we think of our world, and we think about the things that we value, what do we value? We value strength and we value time. And the reason why we value time is because we believe that if we were given enough time, we would be able to transcend our dust and we would be able to compete with the Almighty in His position. I mean, that's the world that we live in, right? That if you just try hard enough, if you just try long enough, you can do anything. You can accomplish anything. That if man had just enough time, we would be able to figure out a way to live forever. And so this is why we value productivity. This is why we value efficiency. This is why the idea of death and the idea that there is A clock ticking somewhere saying that our time is running out is incredibly frustrating and terrifying because that means that we are going to have to come face to face with our dustiness at some point, which we've spent our entire life seeking to reject, hoping that one day we would be able to transcend it all and become like the Almighty. And so it's tough. It's tough to enter into Sabbath because... The reality is is that we don't want relationship with our God. We want to be like the Almighty. And if we want to contend and be like the Almighty, we are not seeking to be sat under the presence and to come near the Almighty, but instead we put ourselves in direct contention with Him. And the thing that kind of has opened my eyes the most and the thing that I think has struck the most kind of like conviction in me about the story about Adam and Eve and their conversation about God is that I think we go throughout life having a lot of good conversations about God and we're never present with God. That even in our conversations, even in our good conversations about God, we are in fact avoiding the reality of being present with God. Because in all of our conversations about God, we can try to appear humble, we can try to appear to have all the right answers, but in our hearts hearts, in the back of our mind, what we want is we want to become like the Almighty. We'd much rather prefer his position than our lowly position of dust living on borrowed breath from the Almighty. And so entering Sabbath is hard because we want the Almighty's job. And we want to have good conversations about God instead of actually entering into deep, real, vulnerable relationship with Him. And I know this is true in my life. I know there are a number of ways that I pretend to be near to God, that I try to put up a front, that I try to pretend that everything's cool, everything's okay, everything's great with my life, I've got all the right answers, I'm your pastor, I'm supposed to do that, I'm supposed to be put together and all of this stuff. And I would say that I've been lacking in pursuing deep, intimate, vulnerable Sabbath relationship with our God. That God has been calling out my name that I might enter into that place. And I hope that he's calling out your name too to begin to stop contending with him. To stop having conversations about God and instead choose to be in the presence of our God. Which then opens up another set of kind of difficult barriers that keep us from entering into the Sabbath rest of God. Because as soon as we admit, okay, I'm going to stop contending with the Almighty. I'm going to become present to Him as He's present to me. What we then experience is shame and guilt. And we see this with Adam and Eve. With Adam and Eve, they they sin, they are naked, they are exposed. We're going to read this in verse 6. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was for good, and that it was delighting to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made for themselves loincloths. And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. You see, as Adam and Eve are exposed. They're naked, and immediately when they're exposed, what is their instinct to do? It's to cover themselves up. And so they reach for the fig leaves and they sew some together and they get all covered up. But even that's not good enough because they feel like we could still be seen by God. And so they're like, we need to go hide in these bushes from the presence of God. Now they're seeking escape. Before they had the presence of God, now they've done the sin. They've tried to contend with the Almighty. And now they're trying to hide from the Almighty. If, if Adam and Eve could have teleported themselves away from the presence of the Almighty, kind of like Jonah did or attempted to, they would do it. They would have done it. And I think you and I are the same way. We're like Adam and Eve. If we sit too long and we seek to be present with God, what often comes up is shame and guilt. And Maybe even before seeking to be present with God, we live with such a level of shame and guilt and knowing that we are weak, knowing that we are insufficient before a holy God that we don't even take time to think about it that we just constantly continually to seek escapism and so we have a downtime up oh, Netflix we have downtime up oh, let me check my phone let me read that news story for the third time up oh, let me check my work email let me go into work let me do this hobby over here let me go on a vacation and that'll be restful let me go on a retreat with some people so we can have some good conversations about God and we can come back and say, man, we had some really good conversations about God, but yet our soul still is empty and aching and it's yearning to be known. It's yearning to be loved and accepted as it's broken. You see, we don't like to be exposed and we instinctively want to hide. I mean, you see this with children all the time. As soon as you catch a child in the middle of behaving poorly or behaving badly and it's called out in front of the mother or father or the authority of the time like they'll just bury their face or they'll like squat down or they'll run away i mean we hate being exposed and so it's no wonder that as this kind of fickle dust that knows that we're not good enough that that just knows in the core of our being when When the Almighty comes and asks, where are you? It makes sense that we would want to run and hide and escape. And I think that in our world, in our society today, we are incredible escape artists. But it's costing us our soul. It's costing us our soul. It's costing us our Sabbath rest and peace and intimacy and relationship with our God. What's amazing, and Dennis talked about this last week, is that Adam and Eve sin. And a lot of times we think that sin is the thing that causes barrier between us and the Almighty. When what happens is that Adam and Eve sin, and what happens, the Almighty comes near. The Almighty him searching. He comes asking the question, where are you? What has happened? We see this time and time again throughout Scripture. The Tower of Babel. The people come together. They say, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's be like God. And so they build this tower. And in their sin to become like God, become like the Almighty, the Almighty comes near and He scrambles the language. Now a lot of times we see the scrambling as a curse. We say, oh, God cursed them for their sin. But when in reality what the Almighty is doing is that He is kind of giving them a kickstart in the pants to the blessing that is to be for the entire world and for the nations because God said you are to rule and fill and subdue the earth and to spread out. And when we don't do that, and we trust that that command from Almighty is good, and so when we don't do that, God comes near and he blesses us with diversity. And he spreads us out so that the nations can be blessed through him. You see, God is at work. God is wanting and desiring to come near the we might know that we are beloved dust. And maybe you've noticed already this morning, but I've been using this term, the Almighty, to refer to God. And I think it's because the word God has become really familiar our language, and I think that language matters. And I think, sure, I could give this message with the word God and throw the word God in there, and it would be just as important. But, man, the word Almighty this week, as I've been thinking through this message, I've been thinking through the things that God has been teaching me, it's just so sharp. And it's so foreign to our ears. That kind of like gets our attention. It kind of reminds us who God is in his rightful place and kind of who we are as dust. And what I love is by seeing God as the Almighty is that a lot of times when we hear the word that the God is almighty we think of him kind of being wrathful and distant. But in this story the Almighty is not wrathful, he's not distant, but instead He comes incredibly near. The Almighty is kind. He's generous. He's loving. He's giving life. He's wanting to be present. He's wanting to be near. He's wanting deep relationship. And so as you go this week, I hope that you think about yourself in relationship to the Almighty. That you'd put God in His rightful place and that you would allow yourself to sit in your rightful place as dust and that you would become to be okay with your weakness. That you'd be okay being finite. That you'd be okay not being good enough. Because the good news at the end of the story is that God covers their shame. Adam and Eve, they create false clothing. And this is what we do when we seek to escape all the time. We seek vacations, rest, whatever it is that we think is going to fill our soul that's not the presence of God, whatever that is, those are like the fig leaves sown around us. And God wants to strip us of that. And He wants to expose us. And He wants us to be vulnerable. And He wants us to bring our shame and our guilt before Him because He wants to clothe us with adequate clothing. The story in the garden ends with God clothing Adam and Eve. And this is an incredible foretelling of how God himself is going to put on dust. He's going to sacrifice himself for our place so that he can be the adequate clothing that we can be dressed in, covering our shame and guilt and restoring our relationship with God and the Almighty for all eternity. I love this command. This command in Galatians chapter 3, it is, Therefore let yourselves be clothed with Christ. Now, a lot of times we think of this idea of like putting on the armor of God and like we're going for battle, but like how many times do we think of like clothing? And we think about being clothed with a person. This person that is Christ. This person that is sufficient, this person that takes away our shame and guilt and he knows us intimately. I don't know if you think about this or not, but clothes are kind of a powerful thing in our society, in our culture. We put clothes on for different things that we do. Yesterday, I was at a wedding, so I put on wedding clothes. It's what you do when you go to a wedding. I wanted to wear jeans. Rebecca's like, you don't wear jeans to a wedding. You wear dress pants, especially this wedding. I was like, okay, I'm wearing the dress pants. But the dress pants gets me ready for the thing that I'm about to go do. Now, sure. If there was work or an emergency, I could do work in my dress clothes. They would be ruined, but I could do it. Now you think about it. You put work clothes on to get yourself ready for work. You go out and you do things in your work clothes. And your work clothes prepare you for what you're about to do next. I think that this is true with Christ, with the fig leaves, with the clothing that God gives us. What clothing are we wearing? And what is that preparing us for? Are we putting on the fig leaves that are completely insufficient? And what is that preparing us for? Or are we putting on Christ, who's completely sufficient? And what is that preparing us for? We put on Christ like we put on wedding clothes. What does that prepare us to go live as? How does that prepare us? How does that change our mental mindset about what we're about to go and do next? Because when we put on clothes, unless it's just a lazy day, but even then it's intentional. It's always intentional. If it's a lazy day, you put on lazy day clothes because you intend to be lazy. And so are we going to put on Christ who is completely sufficient for us? The beauty thing, the beautiful thing about Sabbath is that we can be naked before our God. And we can be vulnerable in front of him that the Sabbath is about God coming near to us and it's about God calling out to us and asking us where are you where are you because I want to be in relationship with you where are you because I want to be near you where are you because I want to be in your presence God wants to be in our presence I mean, we sing about wanting to be in God's presence, but how often do we think about what God's thinking and what God's doing on the other end and how he so desperately wants to be in our presence? And you just say, yeah, but I'm just dust. And he says, exactly. He says, it is in your weakness. Sorry, I lost my place. Yeah, it is in your weakness that my power is sufficient and made perfect in you. He says, come and dwell in me so that you might find your peace, that you might find your strength, and that you might find your being. Sabbath is a place where we can proclaim that the Almighty is the place where we find our movement, our living, and our being. Sabbath is a place where we can let go of trying to be King and ruler over all, where we can let go of control where we don't have to be the alpha and the Omega of our lives anymore, but we can surrender that over to God, and we can allow the Almighty to take his rightful place, and where we can trust him with whatever is going to happen next in our lives. Because at the end of the day it's from dust that we've been formed, and it's from dust that we were it's to dust that we will return none of us are going to escape that. But the good news is that, like I said earlier, is that God became dust for us so that one day he can speak life into this dust again and that we can be resurrected. And this is where I find hope, is that we do not remain as dust scattered, but there is coming a day when God is going to bring us all back together and breathe his life back into his beloved dust yet again. And it comes from the prophet Isaiah. I just want to read this. It's one of my favorite places in the Bible. I know I've shared this before. But it's a place that gives me great hope in this idea of thinking of the Almighty and us as dust and our weakness and how we're finite and how God loves us and how God has a plan for us even when we are going to return to this place of dust. From the prophet Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out and the spirit of the Lord And he sent me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around them, and behold, there were very many of them on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, only you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones. And I'll say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay tendons upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and I will cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that I am the Almighty. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was, tendon, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And as I looked, there were tendons on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was not breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. and They lived and they stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves, and I will raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, and that I open your graves, and that I raise you from your graves, O people. And that I will put my spirit within you, and that you shall live, and I will put you in your own land. And you shall know that I am the Lord, for I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. The Lord challenges us and teaches us that we are dust, but that we're beloved dust. And it provides space to, for us to see ourselves <laughs> from the right perspective. And I believe it's from this perspective that we're then able to become present to God. That the rejection of our dustiness is the thing that gets in the way of our relationship with him. And that if we could just accept this, if we could just kind of fall back into it, if we could accept our weakness, accept that we are not enough, accept that there's not enough time in a day. I mean, how much does your life testify to that? You're just like, there's not enough time in a day. There's just not enough time in a day. The list is never ending. And God is reminding you, yes, you are just dust, and that's okay. I want you to choose presence with me. I want you to be near I want your soul to be filled from this place of Sabbath rest where we can ask the Lord God, search me and know me and lead me into the way of everlasting. And so it's my hope and it's my prayer that we would not just continue to go on having good conversations about God that we would not just come to this worship service, that this just wouldn't be a place where we have a good conversation about God, because that's kind of what we've had so far. I've said some words, you've listened, maybe you're conversing with me that I don't know about inside your head, you're writing down notes, we're having a good talk. But it's my hope that we wouldn't just like leave it here, but that we would actually take the time, that we would swallow hard, and that we would accept that we're dust, Maybe that involves crying because we've tried so hard to keep it together. I hope that there's freedom there. Maybe that requires just sitting and being still and knowing that the Almighty is God. I just encourage you that you don't allow your stillness to be another way to kind of build your wall of escape. That would be a stillness where you truly engage in the presence of God where you allow him to come near, where you allow him to heal your brokenness, that you would allow him to speak into your weakness, that you would allow him to transform you and lead you in the ways of his spirit and his love. It's my heart that as we hear God crying out to us this morning, where are you? That we would jump out from behind the bush and say, God, here am I. God, here am I. Take me. Use me. Heal me. When we look at the kind of all stars of the Bible, they all had this in common. They all rejected their dust. When you look at Abraham, he has Ishmael. When you look at David, he had Bathsheba. When you look at Paul. He had his sword in the garden of Gethsemane and he denied Jesus three times. Like this thing that we do as humans, rejecting our dust, that's what we do. But all these guys also took a step back and they answered the question from God, where are you? And they said, here am I. Because Abraham gives birth to Isaac and goes to sacrifice him and God provides the ram. Where David goes and kills Goliath From confidence, from a humble confidence. I mean, if you read that passage, David goes up to Saul and he's like, look, I killed a bear, I killed a lion, I killed all these things, and he could have just like left it at that, but instead what caps it off, he's like, and as God has delivered me from those things, he's going to deliver me from this Philistine. And in that moment, David turns from a cocky teenager that knows it all to someone who's relied on the strength of the God who knows that He's just mere dust, but He knows that He serves the Almighty, just breathed life and existence into Him and into His people. We see it with Peter as the Holy Spirit comes and breathes life into Peter on the day of Pentecost, and He is filled with new boldness, and He proclaims the gospel, and three thousand people are added to that number that day. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for for us as a church is that we would admit that we are dust and not just in conversation, but that we would really come near to God and be vulnerable and to be exposed by him and that we would allow him and his strength to live and work through us. And so my hope is is that this morning we might experience Sabbath. that We might be able to enter in this place of God's presence and find true rest And true shalom for our spirits. Maybe for some of us, it might be the first time that we experience Sabbath in a long, long time. I know it's been a long time for me. And God has been doing incredible work in my heart and my life around this. And I'm just blessed and thankful that I'd be able to share it with you guys. And so I hope that God would stir that work within you guys um, as we spend time in worship, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time (laughs) receiving communion and reflecting on all that God has done, that God has come near and that he wants to know us and we can be known by him. You guys pray with me. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you are the Lord Almighty. Thank you that you are the creators of heaven and earth. And I thank you that you declared this seventh day in which you did nothing other than rest your presence on creation, that that's the day that you named holy. God, I thank you for forming us out of the dust. I thank you for breathing your life and your breath into us. And God, I thank you that when we breathe our last and when we return to dust again someday, that is not where we will remain. But that there will be a day when you are going to come and gather us together again and that you will breathe your life, and your breath into us yet again. And there in that place we will be with you to the end of the age for forever. God, give us the strength in our weakness to come near to you right now. God, call us out of our hideous clothes. Call us out of our hiding places. And God, may we feel the nearness of your presence This morning in your name we pray. Amen.